Baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox, 720 WGN. Pack show this afternoon. Welcome in. Go until 7 o'clock. Chris Getz, White Sox Director of Player Development. We will also talk to Nick Madrigal, White Sox first round draft pick last year, and a conversation with Ricky Renteria on the program today. Very busy show. Mark Carmen with you. As we start out going up to Minneapolis, we're Rich King working with WGN Radio, dominating, covering today's ball game. And uh, I think messing with White Sox outfielders today. Rich King, I'm blaming you for the White Sox <laughs> defense in the outfield. Would you like to accept blame, please? I'll be happy to accept the blame. And thank God, Sam, because I'm sure they feel pretty bad about it. It was a rough day all the way around, Mark. The uh, outfield, each, each outfielder had a miscue. Of course, the big one by Charlie Tilson, who uh, lost the ball in the uh, wind, I guess, and a kind of a twisting fly ball that resulted in two runs and uh, overthrows, missing the cutoff man by Aliri Garcia and Eloy Jimenez. And Charleston uh, and Alonzo uh, uh, missing the pop fly. And uh, you've got a pretty messy situation. And uh, I just will not go down as one of the better games of the year for the White Sox. But uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, sometimes you have a good day, and sometimes you know this is not a very good day. I, I thought that Ricky, after the ball game, he basically said, okay, you guys don't have to answer, ask me any questions to start here. I'll just start answering about our play. But it seemed like he was just trying to be as positive as possible, which is standard uh, for Ricky. But uh, it was almost like he was uh, almost over-giddy to try to you know, not think about what happened out there today. Well, managers nowadays never criticize players, rarely criticize a player in, in for the press. I mean, Tony La Russa years ago would never criticize a player, but I guarantee behind the scenes, he let him have it. And I'm sure Ricky's in the same genre. I'm sure he didn't like uh, what happened to me. And he told uh, us that he they, they criticized the things on the bench when they were during the game. They pointed things out. You can't miss cutoff, man. you got to catch the fly balls. you got to be alert. So uh, all in all, I think the discipline is there for Ricky and uh, – We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, the White Sox won two games, and Houston came in at a pretty good high. And the Twins, just a juggernaut. They've had 26 home runs now in the last nine games of offensive display that really uh, is uh, historic proportions. If they, they continue on this trend, they'll hit about 350 home runs for the year, which is shattered last year's mark by the New York Yankees. It's a tough club to play. And the White Sox didn't play well, and that's the 8-1 score. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, Minnesota... I mean, they're sitting at 35-16. and 16. The, the most homers they've ever hit as a team came back in 1963, uh, which was 200 and some odd home runs. And, and they're on pace for 350, as you put it, Rich. I mean, how good do you think... I mean, when you look at the Twins right now, do you see this is a World Series contender seeing them up close? Well, you know what happened? To all of a sudden, these guys, you know, they've been around for a couple of years, building and building, and the Indians used to dominate that division. And now... These guys have matured. You can see it in their batting approach. Uh, Eddie Rosario has become a, a star. Uh, Jonathan Scope has finally come into his own. They've got Cron in there, Cron in there. They've got uh, Sano at third base. He's got five homers since he got back. Uh, Polanco is an all-star type caliber shortstop, hitting in the 300s. So this is a very good offensive club. They've got a couple of good pitchers. Odorizzi is pitching tomorrow, and Gibson pitching today, and then Berrios is in there. And the bullpen, from what I've seen in the two games I've been here, looks pretty solid also. So it's a well-rounded team. The Indians, are, if they lose today, they'll be nine games behind the Minnesota Twins. That race could be over 
uh, in July. So uh, this club is really coming on. And, you know, and once you get in the playoffs, as you well know, anything can happen. This club has all the ingredients for sure. Yeah, Cleveland right now is in a rain delay with uh, Tampa. That game has yet to get underway. But that that's a I, – I mean, the Sox are 12 games back, and they've been creeping on the try for second place in the division. And so Cleveland, uh, I mean, that's been the biggest uh, surprise slash, I suppose, disappointment so far uh, in the AL Central. Let, let's go back to that Houston series, Rich. I mean – I, I've been super impressed with Lucas Giolito pretty much all season long. I thought the five-inning performance with the rain coming down, throwing strike after strike after strike to get the Sox a win against the Blue Jays was right. impressive. But this was next level. To go up on the road against the Houston Astros and be as nasty as he was, uh, I, I'm wondering if Lucas Giolito is maybe just scratching the surface of what he could be after that performance. Well, let's hope he is. You know, I saw him all spring training. We were down there at the webcast games. So I appreciate every game he pitched. The numbers in, in, in Arizona were horrible, but I kept saying this to people, and I, you know, I'm not no, no expert on this. You know, obviously, Ed Farmer and people like that know more, much more than I do. But I thought his stuff was pretty good despite getting hit around with in Arizona. His velocity was up. His arm motion, they changed arm motion a little bit. It was a little faster. Pitches were breaking better. And I thought he had a pretty good go coming in. And sure enough, he's had a pretty good year. So let's hope that is scratching the surface, uh, and that Lopez can turn himself around. You know, that's, that Houston series was a real uplifting thing. They played competitive the first two games and they won the last two. And if people thought they were going to get blown out 9-1 to one or 18-2 to two or something like that, but they hung in there pretty good. And I think it's a, it was a, kind of a milestone mark. I mean, hanging in there with a team like Houston, a tough four-game series, and it was pretty good. Now they're going to build on that. There's still a rebuilding process here, and this is showing it here in Minnesota, no question about that. But I think yeah, the, uh, the, the things have the upswing. There is a, you can see the signs now. In baseball, you never know. i said this a million times. I've been in the game long enough to know. You never know what the future is. But you can see this developing uh, with she's coming on and uh, people like that. And, and they, if they just mesh this thing together next year, they'll be even better. So the signs are positive, but uh, not uh, positive so far this weekend here in Minnesota. Yeah, well, let's just mention one of those signs being the three homers that Aloy was able to bomb out down in Houston, including easy power the opposite way. He's such an easygoing guy, Rich. I mean, you, you've covered uh, this game for a while now. Young guy with that sort of demeanor and confidence. It's 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 that you don't see that every single day, correct? No, I, I've said that I saw him in spring training the last couple of years, and I, I my my standard comment is if this guy doesn't make it, I'd be really shocked. He's got all the tools. He has a great demeanor, and he's you know obviously he's way behind of what he's going to be. He's a much better player than he's shown, even with the home runs he's hit so far. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, and you put him in there with Moncada, who's developing into a star, and Anderson, who's been hurt now, he's uh, nicked up his uh, uh, rest a little bit. And he's going to be out for maybe a game or two, but he'll be back shortly. And, uh, you know, Abreu, you got a pretty good lineup in there. And the offense, I think, will take care of itself. Now, of course, it comes down to pitching. But I think the pitching, the, the, they got enough guys now in the organization to put together a pretty good bullpen. And if you get the, the starting pitching, is the key. You've got to get a, got to get a cons- good, consistent starting rotation going. Uh, Rodon was a big setback. They were expecting big things from him this year. But... You've got Dylan Cease down there. You've got other people you can bring in. You, who knows next year if they'll sign somebody uh, they, off of somebody else's team and make a trade. Yep. So it's a, it's, a, it's a rosy picture here down the road, but 
You got these bumps and bruises like you have this weekend. Yeah, Rich King up in Minnesota covering the White Sox with us here on seven twenty WGN White Sox Weekly with you till seven. Just on, on your way out here, Rich. Anything did you learn about uh, Timmy? You just said it's a, a day or two there, and uh, yeah. and, and Carlos Rodon too. I'm just curious. You know, he's, he was back with the club uh, after the surgery, sitting in the dugout today. Well, we talked to Rodon yesterday. First, him uh, surgery was good. He's anxious to get back as a starter. And he's going to go through rehab. He knows that it's a tough road, but he's, he's determined. He's a tough guy. As for Anderson, uh, a weird situation yesterday. He got hit by a pitch in, in the wrist, and it was actually a foul ball. They called it a foul ball. Nobody complained about it, but it did hit his wrist. I guess he got part of the bat also. Held out today. Could have pinched it, I guess. And the last question to Ricky today when we left the locker was, when they played him around, he says, I'll let you know. But he did say that uh, Sevi Zavala will catch tomorrow. Mickey, he batted today and struck out his first major league appearance, but uh, he'll play tomorrow, and he will uh, be starting catcher for the White Sox. Those are, the, those are the updates from the locker. You staying around for game three? No, i got to come back, but I uh, was uh, – I, I mean, I'll give him some luck by leaving. I don't know, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great park up here. It's a beautiful park, and uh, Minnesota handles their press real well. It's a great a great arena. So I enjoyed my two days here, and uh, – uh, the coverage joke was good, and we'll go back and come come back some other day. But let's the White Sox get together and squeeze one out tomorrow. Always good to have you on, Rich King. Appreciate you checking in, and uh, travel travel safe back. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, Bye. Rich King up in Minnesota, WGN-TV, and now doing some stuff for WGN Radio. Head to the park for dollar hot dogs every Wednesday home game this season. You can take advantage of this unbeatable deal on Wednesday, May 29th. As the Sox take on the Royals at 7, 10 p.m. It's brought to you by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more at Securian.com. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash dollar dogs today. And also head to the park after work for bleachers and brews. I think you could do that before work, too, depending on your work. Get one bleacher seat, two beers, $22. That's all season long. You do have to be 21 and over with a valid ID. Bleachers and brews presented by Budweiser. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash brew and enter the promo code brew. All right, White Sox player of development, Chris Getz, coming up next. We'll check in on the minor leagues. That is straight ahead on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, as we roll on, the Director of Player Development, Chris Getz, is with us. I think this is the first time we've spoken in 2019, Chris Getz. Good to have you on the show, as always. Well, thanks for having me, and good to be on here uh, in 2019. So, I'm sitting here getting ready for the interview today, and you know, I'm looking at the AAA roster, and I'm, I'm looking at the big leagues, and I'm thinking, Charlie Tilson, Ryan Cordell, Daniel Palka, Nicky Delmonico, Jose Ruiz, Tiago Vieira... Dylan Covey, Carson Fulmer, Aaron Bummer. I mean, on, on, and on, on. Osage, Frere, Adam Engel. All these guys have been on the big leagues to the AAA to back or one way or the other all year. And you've experienced that. It's not easy, right, for a guy to be feeling like every at-bat, his future is on the line. Like, can you talk about what the experience is like for these guys? Well, yeah, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of activity, which is, is good in the sense of opportunity, but also, sure, I think there's some added pressure that you put on yourself as a player. Um, you know, going into spring training and certainly towards the end of spring training, there, there's 
there's always a bit of an obsession on who's going to make the 25-man roster, right? And lo and behold, inevitably, you know, three days into the season, um, a guy from AAA is going to be on the major league roster. And obviously this year, there, there has been a lot of up and down. Um, sometimes that's a good thing uh, for the major league club, and sometimes it's not a good thing based on, you know, what's going on. But, um, you know, for those players, I, I kind of you know, try to communicate that. You know, we get caught up with, with making the, the major league team, but if you don't, it doesn't mean uh, that you're not going to be up there and get opportunity and be able to, to potentially stick. Um, but, you know, with, with the Charlie Tilsons, the Cordells, uh, the bummers, guys that have gone down, let's say, and maybe a little disappointed. Um, but, but with that being said, these, these guys are pros. They went down there. They didn't hang their head. They put their work in, and opportunity came. And now that they've um, – and they were playing well, obviously, and now they're up in the big leagues, and they're continuing, continuing to help the team win. And that's, that's really a testament to them and how they, they approach this whole thing. So I saw a pretty cool story with, with Tilson and – Mark Rudzelanek, uh, Charlotte Knights AAA manager, told him, I don't want to see you back here. And I don't know how much you got to watch AAA this year, but were you seeing the progression in Charlie World? Hey, man, if this dude gets his chance, he probably, and he has you know, a huge grand slam earlier in the week, but uh, did you see, like, perhaps if he does get his chance, this guy could actually stick? I did see that. And, you know, I, everyone kind of knows, most people know Charlie's story. He's 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 been uh, handed, you know, a, uh, you know, tough tickets. Really, I mean, he with the injury to his hamstring, uh, then he had a, a foot injury that um, that he got through the the rehab process, um, and then he, he was really never. It, it's just taken him a while to really regain the strength um, and be back to the player that he he once was and um, kind of who we thought he was going to be. So he finally recovered, um, had a healthy offseason. He was well-prepared. He was strong. Uh, And then baseball-wise, everything seemed to be in sync, which was very connected just to his health. Um, I thought he looked like a different player in spring training. And certainly down in Charlotte, I was able to see him when they were over in Indy and and certainly communicating with, with Drew Zelanek. Uh, and Frank Menachino, and the ball, he was just hitting the ball harder. I mean, we've got all the metrics nowadays, but if you just watch and you listen, uh, you see the at-bats that he's putting together, that you know that it should translate uh, for success at the major league level. He was, he, you were going to see a better Charlie Tilson this year, and, and we've been fortunate to, to, to all kind of experience it. And, and, and I couldn't be happier because Charlie's such a great kid, and he works his butt off. Yeah, I mean, how do you not like Charlie Tilson? I just noticed it uh, talking to him. You know, on the last homestand, it's like, dude, you've put on some weight. I mean, there's, it's clear that he spent time in the weight room. So I don't yeah, know. He, he, you know, he, years ago, and I, and I got to know Charlie. Um, gosh, I was still playing. Uh, we shared the same agent. We actually worked out together um, to certainly different stages of our careers. But Charlie, you know, we, we, I mean, we were working, working out together. We were running together, lifting together, and – he was faster than me, and he was stronger than me, and I know that's not saying much, but he, he's a, he was a sturdy, athletic kid and just continued to grow, and I'm just happy he's getting this opportunity now. Well, let's not dog on the Chris Getz speed. I'm not going to say you're a bodybuilder, but, I mean, you were, you were stealing bags when you were out there, Chris Getz. 
Well, my point is, I, I if there was one thing I was confident in, it, it was that, and I felt that Charlie had actually a leg up on me. Yeah, no, that's it's it's a big time compliment. And since we jumped a little bit into your playing career, I've been paying attention to Alcides Escobar. Uh, down at AAA, and he's been consistent all year. He's got the batting average way well up over 300. And, you know, I know that the White Sox have a ton of people in the infield, but it seems like somebody would want this guy on a major league roster. He's been impressive, has he not? Uh, he has. Esky's really gone, you know, he, for a guy that hasn't been in the minor leagues for years, he, he's putting together some, some really good at bats. He's driving the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, he's. He's in a really, really good place. Um, was I was just down in Charlotte this past weekend. He was driving some balls to the gap, um, hitting the ball all field. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was really fun to watch him play. Um, so, and he's got a great attitude, like he always has. Um, and I, I, I see him. I, I'm seeing major league ability. I, I really am, and wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way uh, helping us at some point or. or perhaps even another club. I mean, this is a guy who's the MVP of the ALCS. He's got a World Series ring. He's played in a ton of big games. And he, it's not like he was having a bad, uh, you know, career up there. I mean, he's a career 260 hitter. So, uh, and he's, he's not old either. So I, I, I think it's a nice piece to just to be having sitting there in case something happens to anyone I mean, at, 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 the, at the bare minimum. And maybe somebody, maybe he's a part of some deal. Who knows? Yeah, no, it's a nice and a nice piece to have down in 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 AAA, and yeah, he's accomplished a lot in this game, and uh, you know he's here to help, you know, and he's going about this thing the right way, and you know teammates love him, but but ultimately he he still has some major league skills in there. Chris Katz, White Sox director of player development, with us here on White Sox Weekly. All right, let's get to the hard stuff here. When is Dylan Cease coming up, Chris Katz? <laughs> Tough to give me a hard, tough to give you a, a hard date here. I, I, I saw him pitch last Friday. He's pitching tonight. Um, he was very good uh, on Friday. You saw that, you know, mid to upper nineties. He was locating his fastball. His delivery and tempo was was solid. Uh, the usual curveball was there, and the slider was very impressive. So it was a nice outing. I was going to build off of it. Um, you know, he, he's moving towards uh, the the big leagues. He, he he's developing. We're we're uh, We've been impressed so far, but we've been we've been impressed since day one with Dylan Steve. So he's going to be a uh, a helpful part of our major league club when that time comes. Conversation with Chris Getz continuing after the five thirty news and Dylan with seven strikeouts in six innings in that start that Getz is talking about his ERA down to three point three eight. So Dylan with another good one in the book. Sox fans, join us as the White Sox take on the Cleveland Indians on Saturday, June the 1st. The first 20,000 fans will receive a Chicago-themed White Sox jersey presented by NBC Sports Chicago. Purchase your tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. Check the news coming up on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Good to have you along. 536 on an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous Saturday afternoon. Sox did lose to the Twins 8-1. to And they are now 2-4 and on the seven-game road trip, which concludes tomorrow. Dylan Covey versus Jake Odorizzi, our pregame show. 
is at 12.35. Andy Mazur will have that for you. And then first pitch 110, Ed and DJ on the call. Uh, Andy was down in Houston this week filling in for DJ uh, for the Astros series. He caught up with Ricky Renteria down there. So we'll have that conversation coming up after 6 o'clock. Dylan sees as we continue our conversation with Chris Getz, White Sox Director of Player Development. These are his numbers right now. He's 4-1. That's great. His ERA is 3.38. Very solid. He started eight games now, 40 innings. So eight divided, 40 divided by eight there, Curtis. You know what that is? That's five, correct. Five innings a start. It's, it's, it's not uh, exactly, in my mind, ready to come up to the big leagues. You're going five innings a start. Now he's lengthening out a little bit here, but he's still yet to go seven. He threw 102 pitches in his last start, which is the most that he's thrown. Uh, 40 innings, 40 hits. That's a good ratio, uh, but again, not completely overpowering. And I'm not trying to downplay Dylan Cease at all. But I'm just there's there seems to be this rush to get him up here. His WHIP is 1.38. Uh, I, I can see why the White Sox are giving him a little bit more time. He struck out 48. He's walked only 15. That is excellent. So as we bring Chris Getz in here, White Sox Director of Player Development, what what do you make of these numbers, Chris? I mean, he isn't completely crushing AAA. I, yes. Now, with that being said, it's a, um, you know, AAA this year is a little bit different than it has been in the past. And I, and I say that because if we've got major league balls. Um, on the offense, uh, you know, the, the, the increase in offense is, it, I mean, we're looking at almost not quite 100%, but it, it, it's been, uh, it's definitely impacted. Um, but, but with that, Dylan, listen, Dylan, you know, his first couple starts, uh, he was a little out of sync, just kind of finding himself. Um, but you, you you saw the raw ingredients there. The weapons are there. The, I mean, when you go there and just evaluate what he's throwing, yeah, it's it's still it's still the same guy. Now piecing it all together, um, yeah, there were there were some inconsistencies there. But he's starting to get in the groove, into a groove. I would uh, I imagine that he'll continue to do so. You know, he, we gave him some short outings early on, and, and we're starting to to kind of grow upon that. So I, I see kind of a better rhythm coming from Dylan. And that was my next question. So he hasn't gone, he hasn't pitched in the seventh inning yet. Does, is that a thing? Like, do you, do you want to see him go seven, eight before he comes up? Is that part of it? We, we do. And, and, you know, mind you, you know, some of those shorter outings were by design. Those were, were, were kind of dictated by the organization. Um, and so, but but now we're 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 at a point where we're a little bit more comfortable for him to go out there and and compete deep into the game. Um, and yes, we we want to see him go deeper into games before he comes up here because it's going to be expected for him to do something like that. It's tricky too, right? I mean, he's he's thrown I think the most innings in one season is 135. I want to say, yes. And so. If you bring him up, you, you don't want to you know plop him well over two hundred because I mean there's there's tons of data that's saying if you make a huge jump in one year that's not good for a pitcher right so it's a little tricky on how you're going to do this. It is a little tricky. You, you, you can get creative in terms of uh, you know extra days, working off of off days, maybe skipping starts. Um, you hate to limit the innings. You you really do you. Yeah, you want you want the guy to go, and I say that within and out, and you want the guy to have the ability to, to complete the game. Um, but when when you have these unique cases where you've got a guy that's throwing 135, 140, 
that's all he has under his belt. You, you know, we're thinking long term for Dylan. We're thinking long term for the organization. So we have to do what's smart. Um, so we'll get creative along the way. But right now, let's let's get him in a groove. Um, he, he's almost there, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. But uh, he's going to be a he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to uh, go late in the games just based on what he's capable of doing. Did he get a perfect score on his SATs? Does he do the New York Times crossword puzzle? He seems way too smart to be a baseball player, with all due respect to baseball players. Yeah, he's he's uh, fairly uh, intellectual, but he, you know, he's just got a very uh, he's very comfortable in his own skin, understanding of what he, who he is, what he wants to become. Very level-headed, um, can have different types of conversations. Certainly baseball, but uh, it could be world politics. Um, you know, he, he's just a really interesting guy, um, and could do a lot of different things in his life, but we're, we're fortunate as a, as White Sox fans and, and, and people that, that he's part of our organization. Cease versus Giolito connect four. Who do you got? Ooh, that's a, that's a, I might go Giolito on that one. <laughs> G- Giolito scares me with his intelligence too. That guy starts talking. It's like, dude, you should be a lawyer. Go, go into a courtroom, win some cases, make some. Re- yeah. you know. Yeah, bring it back to planet Earth, please. I mean, my yeah. God, yeah, it's it's impressive. All right, so I got an email from the White Sox. I, I get a vote on the uh, you know the offensive player of the month, and the pitcher of the month in the minor leagues. And like, we need your vote. For April, for the pitcher, I looked at all the stats. I voted for Connor Pilkington, so I was the deciding vote. He won that thing. I'm very proud of this accomplishment, Chris Getz. So, oh, was I right in voting for him? Because obviously, I haven't seen these guys play. I'm here in Chicago, but numbers wise, it looked to me like he had the most impressive April. Yes, that, that's a good vote. It, without question, he uh, he was more or less dominant in, in Canapolis and. Got two starts under his belt in Winston Salem. His first one, you know, kind of had to get maybe had a little bit of the jitters. Uh, the second one was he was, gosh, his best outing of the year. So um, I think that's a good choice. So um, nice job there. Third round pick. He's out of Mississippi State. I'm looking at the numbers too. He hasn't thrown over 100 pitches either. Uh, same thing with Dylan Cease, who hasn't thrown over 100 in a game. Do you do you anticipate like? At, at that level, I mean, he's a college guy, so a little bit different. But do do you want to stretch him out, uh, even when you're at Winston Salem? I uh, stretch him out in in terms of uh, like, within the outing, or yeah, or would you, you, how many pitches were like a monitor into the pitches? Yeah, would you allow him to throw 110, 115? Yeah, we would. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, I think if we if we go about and go go the 110 mark, let's say we we might adjust for the for the next one, but. I definitely want these guys to to approach each game that this is their game. They can take this game and give them the game. Um, and if we need to adjust and following starts, we do so. Does it piss you off, for lack of a better word? Because a lot of when when Carlos Rodon got hurt, people say, "You know, the White Sox don't know how to handle pitchers." And I'm sitting here like, "Look, this is not a mystery on how to handle a guy. This is well known without baseball." So I, I just kind of curious, like how you hear that the Sox aren't handling their pitchers correctly. Yeah, I, I don't think that's completely accurate. Listen, the, throwing a baseball is not good for anyone's arm, right? So um, there's different ways to kind of uh, control the fatigue, um, and you know we try to do that certainly on the minor league side and then at the major league level. But the intensity that this game brings um, certainly is going to put stress on the arm. 
And we've got players now that are throwing harder than they've ever before. Um, so it's not really a White Sox uh, issue. It's a game issue. Um, so, you know, you make your adjustments along the way. You, you, you certainly bring everyone together and put a plan together for each guy and monitor it as the season goes on. And does that mean that we're not going to have injuries moving forward? Unfortunately, we're going to have injuries moving forward. But we try to avoid uh, avoid it the best we can because, in, in speaking just in the minor leagues, I, I want these guys to have great minor league careers, but really it's about what's ahead of them at the major league level. So um, we've got a plan in place. Um, we feel good about where we're at and how we approach things. And, you know, just uh, trying to prepare these guys the best I can, best we can uh, to be successful at the major league level. White Sox Director of Player Development, Chris gets a quick time out here. Come on back with Chris. Uh, this interview is sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make car shopping fun. And a reminder, take the family out to the ball game with a family four-pack. You get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips. It's not all for you. It's for the family. Starts at $49. Brought to you by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time and take simplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash fourpacks and enter promo code value. One more uh, little jaunt with Chris Getz coming on back here, the White Sox Player of Development on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Mark Harmon with you. Talk with Chris Getz, White Sox Director of Player Development. And we got, uh, let's see if we can talk to Chris up to 6 o'clock here. Uh, Mr. Getz, how happy are you? Let's talk about Eloy. Th- two, uh, three home runs this week. That was sweet to see. Uh, how happy would you say you are so far with seeing what he's doing in the big leagues? You know, with Eloy, he uh, obviously last night was it was nice to see. Um, yeah. You know, they, you, you he hasn't really gotten in rhythm yet. You know, if you look back at spring training um, to the beginning of the year, obviously with the injury um, and the in, in the passing of a, a family member, um, just to be able to roll roll him out there, get consistent at bats. But you see it. You know, you've seen a guy the ability to, to drive the ball to all parks. He's getting his fair share of sliders. They did the same thing in the minor league. There were, there were plenty of times where okay, you're seeing some swing and miss, but then he would close the gap. So uh, we uh, clearly we believe in this kid. He's, he's continuing to prove that uh, he's got tremendous offensive ability. There's going to be adjustments along the way. We're going to see stretches here that, um, you know, that, that maybe at times a little frustrating, but that's, that's part of building this player up to be one of the top uh, players in the game, in which we think he, he, he can certainly become. And let's go to let's go to Winston Salem, Nick Madrigal, who uh, he, he's not getting a hit every single time up, Chris Getz. But the the uh, it looks like to me from a distance here again that uh, he's having a solid start to the year. What would you say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, his at bats have been consistent. He's squaring up a lot of pitches, using the whole field, um, playing as usual, uh, above average defense. Uh, the instincts are strong. You know, it's it's been good. He hasn't you know, completely broken out, in which we know that he's going to do that, but he's been solid. We, we're, we're very happy where he's at from a developmental standpoint. If you dropped Luis Robert in the big leagues right now, how would he do? He'd hold his own. He would. I mean, it, certainly, you know, the defense would be impressive, the base running. Um, you know, when, I, when he was in Winston-Salem, it was, uh, <laughs> it was impressive. I, 
I saw I saw him right before we moved him up to Double A, and it had gotten to the point. I mean, everything he was hitting was a double, triple, or a homer. Uh, watching him run underway, I mean, it was just above the rest. But the the opposing teams were no longer throwing it over the plate; they were working it in and off in. And I'm, you know, he, he got hit a couple times. I said, "This is it, it's time to move him forward. It's not not even safe for him to be there." So. Uh, he's been up in Birmingham. He's continued to play well. Um, I think it's the right level for him right now. Um, still solid at bats, scoring up pitches, playing good defense. Uh, how would he do in the big leagues? He, he, would, he would do fine. He's not ready for the big leagues, um, and that's why he's in double-A. But certainly ultra-talented kid, and, and it continues to get better. If I said I want to make a bet that Robert actually turns out to be a better player than Eli, would I be crazy? Uh, I don't think you'd be crazy to say that. I mean, they're different types of players. Both players can be well above average type major league players. And, and if you have that thought, listen, I, I would be ecstatic if, if he was, because that means we got a pretty good ball club. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to dog either of them on that. I just look at this guy runs like a deer. He, uh, I mean, He's got power. He's he's got a whole. I mean, I'm just excited to see him and and the story. See, would you say he's a leadoff guy long term or or more middle of the order, maybe perhaps down in the order? Um, I, I see him towards the top. I do. Um, you know, he's got really good bat to ball skills. You know, certainly pitch selection is something that's going to have to continue to develop from an on base standpoint. Um, but I still think there's going to be enough of a threat with when he pitches that he squares up that he'll be able to work the pitcher out of the zone and get on base and be able to just impress once he gets there. But um, I think you've got some flexibility with him uh, towards the top, middle of the order. You know, he's, he's 21 years old, um, so you can go a lot of different ways here, but, but I still think at, towards the top it would be a good place for him long term. So what's going on at Double uh, A with – Blake Rutherford is struggling, Basabe is struggling, a lot of guys are off to slow starts. How, how are they handling it? And I know that's a huge level jump from, from Winston-Salem to Birmingham. So what, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone really anticipated um, some of these struggles. However, it's a very tight-knit group. And when they were together in Winston-Salem, obviously they all played very well. They all played very well together. So when these guys kind of struggled early on um, – you know, they, they, they just struggle together, right? They kind of feed off of each other. Um, you've got a lot of young players that are going to a level that's, that's sure, it's, it's a challenging level, um, and it's taken a little bit of time. But we, we've seen um, some encouraging signs that things are going to get better. The way I view this with that group, the second half is big for me. Um, you know, kind of going through their bumps and bruises. They got slow starts, um, but let's see how they finish. Um, so we're just... And from a from a staff standpoint, from from my standpoint, continue to encourage these guys, give them the information. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time down there. We will continue to do so. These guys are are still showing up with a lot of energy. We still see the the tools, the skill sets. Um, but let, let's have them finish strong. Um, they're 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 ultra talented group. Um, I still believe that we've got some major leaguers there and. Uh, this is part of it. I think it's actually a positive in the end. These guys really haven't gotten a a heavy dose of struggling before, but you've got to go through this. You've got to work through it. You've got to overcome it. That's part of the development. I'm just thinking about, you know, you got Omar managing. You've got Grud managing. You're in the front office. You you ever get that managing itch, Chris? 
<laughs> uh, you know what? I, I I don't have too much time to think about something like that. I mean, let's let's be honest. There's uh, I've got a lot on the plate. We've got a lot of players here. Do I love baseball? Absolutely. Am I into this whole thing? Yeah, I can't get enough of it. Um, to envision myself managing, haven't really gone there. Really, to, to be quite honest, this is uh, you know a fun undertaking. We'll continue to do that, uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. All right, I'm not trying to cause any controversy here. I'm just you know, I think it's fun being in the dugout and all that type of stuff. All right, two more. Uh, Taylor Varnell, 29th round pick, Oral Roberts. He's killing it at Canapolis. 49 innings, 38 hits. He struck out 60. Should White Sox fans know this name? They should. Did you consider voting for him for the uh, pitcher of the month? I haven't gotten the May thing, but I think I might. I mean, come on, those that's those yeah, numbers. No, he, he's, I mean, that was a really good draft pick. Let, let, let's be honest. He's got a good curveball, kind of a pitch building guy. Not a guy that's going to run it up there, but he has. He's got some. He's got some sneak to his fastball. Um, yeah, I mean, guys like this find their way to the big league. Um, certainly, it's gosh, great to have. He'll continue to. to to, I'm sure, pitch well this year, and we'll move him along here at some point. But he's doing a nice job. But, yeah, that's, that's just a great, it's a great draft pick. I'm, I'm happy to have him. All right, I want to I wrap up with two more. Number one, what's been your reaction to Tim Anderson's journey this year? I've been loving it. I mean, Tim, Tim I, mean, I, I just look at the production, right, and, and what drives him every single day. I mean, he, he wakes up, and he, he's, he couldn't be more excited to come to the ballpark. Um, and play baseball. He shows it on the field. He's showing it off the field. Um, this is who he is. I, I, uh, I think it, it's great for the White Sox. Uh, it's, it's great for baseball. Um, clearly, you know, he feeds off this type of energy, and others do as well. So uh, I'm really happy for him, and, and I think, you know, he's really showing, showing us what he's capable of doing. I wouldn't have hated it if he had charged Brad Keller, just for the record. I, I asked him about that. He didn't really want to go there. He said that was in the past, which is vintage Tim Anderson. Uh, what do you think about Jawan Howard as we wrap up here, you Michigan man, being the head coach of your basketball team? This dude's made millions of dollars. He can't be as motivated as, as, as you would want a college basketball to, to coach to be. I think you're going to have some trouble here, Chris Getz, with uh, Howard running the show over John Beeline now in the NBA. Well, it's... It, Listen, Beeline, Beeline was fantastic um, for so many different reasons. Obviously, he, he made a decision to move on um, to the NBA, and I think he'll continue to do a nice job. You know, it's, it's tough to find guys to, to fill, fill in some of these top college programs, top college programs, and for Jawan Howard to, to be willing to do this, I'm excited. You know, just the hearing what some of his – former teammates or players that he's coached kind of come out and speak so highly of him. Sounds, it seems like a class act. Obviously he's got history with Michigan. He's had a long, you know, storied uh, NBA career. Um, he's been helping out with some great NBA teams, won championships. So to have him in Michigan, I, I, I would imagine that he's going to be a very good recruiter, very good coach. He seems to be able to communicate well. Um, and he's part of the Fab Five, so I, I'm loving it. So I, I look forward to, to seeing what he's capable of doing. What, what's your Fab Five memory? Do you have one? Gosh, I, I guess in the end it was kind of disappointing. Uh, but, you know, just I guess the short. I loved the short. I mean, they changed the changed the, the landscape of the game from the, the just the outset. 
Yeah, this, the shorts were incredible. That team was incredible. I don't, I don't care about the timeout, and I hated Michigan back then for the record. I was at Iowa, and I grew up rooting for Northwestern and all of it. But that team, one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time. Just not, you know, I don't care if they didn't win a title. All of it. That team was phenomenal. All right. Great to talk to you, Director of Player Development, Chris Getz, as always. And uh, continued success. Looking forward to the rest of the year, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll catch up down the line. All right, Mark. Thanks for having me, man. Quick timeout and news coming up on 720 WGN. Wow, what a play! 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. Six o'clock hour, White Sox Weekly. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Mark Harmon with you. Sox lost today to the Minnesota Twins, 8-1. to one. Twins have won the first two in the series. Dylan Covey will start tomorrow as the Sox will try to win that one, salvage the final game, and go 3-4 and four on the road trip. We're going to hear from the manager, Ricky Renteria, coming up here. He sat down with Andy Mazur, who was down in Houston, filling in for Darren Jackson, who was off on the first leg of this road trip, so that's coming up in a matter of moments here. Just a reminder, Sox fans, you can join us as the White Sox take on the Cleveland Indians Thursday, May 30th, 7, 10 p.m., the first pitch. The first 10,000 fans will get a White Sox retro-themed T-shirt. It's presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. Ricky and Andy, this is a conversation uh, not so much about uh, what's going on on the field as much as uh, sort of Ricky's journey uh, to the big leagues. And uh, Andy, actually, uh, if you followed Andy's career, he was uh, in San Diego uh, doing play-by-play for the Padres uh, when Ricky was there before he ended up coming to Chicago first with the Cubs and, of course, now with the White Sox. So uh, this is a conversation with Andy and Ricky and a little bit about Ricky's journey to the big leagues. When did you first get bitten by the baseball bug? Oh, uh, as, a, as a youngster, very, very young, uh, eight or nine years old probably. All my uh, older brothers played uh, organized ball in the neighborhood, and uh, I actually uh, was out just with my mom pitching to us a little bit, my little brothers uh, at, a, at a local ballpark in, in Compton where we grew up, and uh, one of the little one of the coaches, I guess, one of the local coaches was just walking around and, and came over and asked me if I'd be interested in playing. So uh, I actually had to ask my, my dad, he was, who was at work, and my mom, you know, was all startled, you know, what does this gentleman like, want, and he just wants to know if I'd be interested in playing some ball. So I would say I was probably nine, nine, eight, nine, ten years old, yeah. Do you remember the first big league game that you uh, ever attended? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I, I think I went to a, a Dodger ball game, obviously being from L.A. Um, and I don't, I don't recall if it was my cousin or, or my dad that took me, but I remember uh, um, the Mets were in town. I think uh, Willie Mays was at the end of his career playing for the Mets. And uh, I think somebody looked this up the other day. It might have been Jason. And, and uh, actually, he did, he did play. Uh, so I was accurate in that he was there. On that particular uh, day, and uh, so I was able to get there. I, I just remember as a kid, he was one of my, you know, favorites. Uh, Pete Rose, you know, all these guys. I mean, we grew up in that era, kind of watching them as little gu- little guys. So, yeah, uh, that was a Dodger game against the Mets. I wonder you first think that you know I got a, I got a chance to make it here. I got a chance to get paid to do this. Wow, uh, I don't know that <laughs> that I ever did. I I, I think uh, you know you, you fall in love with playing the game. 
uh, first and foremost. And uh, I'd be lying to you that I didn't recognize that people were coming out to, to watch us play. And, and uh, uh, there were always a lot of guys there. And um, so there was a thought in my mind that maybe I could get signed and, and you know get a chance to play professional baseball. Um, always a little bit out of distance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they – they were quite. They were around quite a bit, and it, it was kind of obvious that they were coming out to, to see if uh, uh, I could play. All right, what do you remember about your your big league debut? I know we've talked about this before, but uh, let everybody know what uh, what you remember about it. Well, uh, I was with the Pirates. Uh, I got called up in September. Uh, I know I didn't play for a week or ten days, somewhat something like that. I, I remember uh, uh, finally getting my first at bat. Uh, I had a pinch hit at bat. Um, I do remember getting a base hit up the middle. I do remember uh, taking the first pitch um, because I really was a little nervous, to be honest, uh, and then ended up hitting a, a, a ground ball, I think, up the middle. Base hit, of course, solid when the line tore, right? It, it was I, – I hit it well. Okay. Yeah. Well, it looked like about, it looked like into the box score and on the field, too. <laughs> that's good to know. Uh, you, know you moved around a little bit. And you were in original Marlin, too. I mean, that was probably a cool experience with uh, baseball coming to South Florida. Yeah, it, it was. It was actually a great experience. I was actually out of, of playing in the States for a while because I had sustained an injury a couple years previous. And uh, I actually went to uh, uh, minor league camp with the Marlins in 93. And uh, as they shuttle players back and forth, uh, as most clubs do, I ended up making the team. Uh, so uh, it was a, a pretty eventful uh, year and, and pretty exciting for all of us, I guess. Uh, but it wasn't your usual uh, route of uh, making a major league ball club. And you have a unique perspective, too, with some of the guys on your team as well because, you know, you – you weren't the superstar on your team, no offense, obviously, but you've admitted that to me before, yeah. so I can I feel comfortable saying that. But, I mean, you have an idea now what these guys are going through, and I think you can probably relate to them a little bit better. Sure. You know, I was a journeyman. You know, I didn't become the player that everybody thought I was going to be when I was first drafted and signed. But I felt that I did contribute in some capacity to most clubs that I played on. And you learn a lot through failure. A lot of it is probably the ability to communicate uh, certain sensations and feelings that guys have that when they're going through certain moments. Uh, because even though as a in limited and a mediocre career that I did have, you do have some big moments in those times, and you remember some of those uh, things that you had to deal with and some of the um, uh, the people that you were facing uh, and some of the things that you have to, uh, you know, come to grips with, you know, both uh, making errors, making nice plays, but playing both sides of the ball. Uh, just a lot of different things, and obviously, it's a it's a very demanding place to play. And from your experience, obviously, these guys can understand that you know you did play it at a high level, and, and you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think you know. Fortunately, um, playing for a few different clubs uh, at the major league level and experiencing different things, played alongside some great players. Uh, you know what it's about. You you know that it's not the easiest thing to do because the talent level is so good, and I think that uh, we have to you know never forget how difficult it is to, to actually perform in front of so many people, so many people that expect so much, but they know that that's a part of it. You know, they, they have to accept the fact that they're expected to go out there and do a job, and, and they try to do the best they can. They prepare, and, and uh, no one goes out there to, to fail. Um, they go out there to try to do what they're supposed to be able to do, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's never for lack of effort or preparation. Uh, but by the same token, the same people that might get on you a little bit, they always give you a lot of love when you're going out there and doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
how much enjoyment do you get out of teaching? Because I know sometimes people will say, well, I played it at this level. I don't know if I can relate this to you because I'm not sure what words you're going to understand. But, I mean, you've been a very good communicator with all your players throughout the, throughout the ranks. Uh, you know what? I, I think that all the, all the staff that, you know, I have here, you know, they all do a very nice job of trying to make sure they can connect with the players, uh, try to break things down so that they understand them. You know, we bounce things off of each other. Uh, we try to find a way to be able to communicate information that an individual will understand. Everybody's different. Uh, there are different ways and different modes of doing it. So I think it is a challenge, uh, especially at the major league level, to, to try to find a way to be able to give information uh, to players so that it works. It doesn't necessarily have to work immediately, so you have to be able to trust. And they have to be able to trust that what you're telling them will work ultimately to give them the best chance to do what they need to do. So it does take a little time, and, and teaching is a part of the way it's supposed to be. I think uh, uh, all of us do the best that we possibly can. We learn from each other. I mean, I learn from, from you. I learn from everybody that I, that I uh, work alongside of. So it's a challenge, but it's a lot of fun. And, and when, the, when the guys get it, uh, when that skill and the ability to execute comes together, it's a tremendously satisfying uh, experience. And you're one of the most positive people that I've ever met in the game, and I can say that honestly because we've been around each other for a while. How do you guard against just getting frustrated because you, you'd like to see more out of these guys? I'm sure they'd like to see more of themselves as well, but how do you guard against that just to make sure that doesn't permeate that clubhouse? Well, you know, these guys in and of itself need to make sure they understand and see me as being a level-headed even killed person, which I try to, you know, always project. I think it's very, very important. I think they ultimately genuinely understand that I trust that they're going to be able to get the job done and that I believe in, in their abilities. Uh, sometimes we all get frustrated. Things don't work out the way you want them to. But I think I have enough of a support system, not only with the fans, with the people that I work alongside of every single day, uh, but the players themselves. Uh, they know that I understand. They know that the coaches understand how difficult this is. And uh, I think it's a little easier for me to be able to handle frustrations or frustrating moments. Uh, sometimes you have to you know, kind of take a step back as well. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I close the door every now and then just to make sure that I can catch my breath. Uh, share my moments with, you know, the people that I'm around all the time, and uh, and then leave it there and get back out on the field and do what we do as as well as we possibly can, and, and stay positive because, you know, there's enough uh, uh, getting knocked down and, and being told what you can't do uh, most of the most of your life, and I think uh, these guys need to know that uh, we do believe that they're capable of doing what they're supposed to do between the lines. All right, along those lines, last one for you. There's got to be a lot of satisfaction, too, in seeing some of these guys really emerge from where they were last year to where they are this year. I'll let you mention the names because I, I have a few in my mind, but that's got to be a special feeling for you, too. Well, of course. I think, I think it's because, you know, when you hear, you know, the, the, the trepidation or the concerns for over some of the players, um, you know, you talk about, you know, Yoan Moncada strikeouts or you talk about Timmy not being able to go into the hole or whatever the case might be. You know, uh, these guys have, have started to turn the corner in a big way. And I think as they continue to be challenged by like a guy like yesterday in Verlander and, and a club like the Houston Astros who are a championship-type club, when you get challenged and you have to raise your game, you start to understand what it is that's needed of you to be able to excel and to compete at this level with the best. And I think those are two of the young men uh, in particular, on top of Lucas Giolito, you know, who has turned a corner, I think, on the hill. Uh, you look at um, Lopi, who's still a young man, who's also turning turning the corner. These are we have some guys here on this club, and don't forget the veterans. You have a guy like uh, Abreu, who's you know coming out and carrying us and doing things, you know that that most people might not think he's capable of doing, but he's the ultimate professional and is capable of doing a lot. Uh, these guys are all coming together, and, and we still have. Some
have so many coming from the from the minor league side, and I'm sure I've I've failed to mention more, but uh, we're really proud of, of how they're moving forward. And ultimately, I think uh, you know again. I repeat, I think the Chicago fans will have a, a really nice uh, uh, base to look forward to as we continue to evolve. So there was Andy and Ricky Renteria. How do you not like Ricky Renteria, right? Just a good-hearted dude who has paid his dues. And, uh, hey, everybody wants this White Sox rebuild to work out uh, for everyone involved, but it would be sweet uh, on, on just a managerial level if – Ricky gets to experience all the good things that uh, hopefully are coming for the White Sox in the next couple of years. Hey, celebrate the unofficial start to summer with this weekend's flash sale. You get tickets for just $10 to select upcoming games, and you can start your summer with the White Sox. The flash sale is going on now through Monday, so get your tickets at whitesox.com slash flash sale all right coming on back here we'll do our week in review as uh, there's some good stuff going down in houston we'll hear some highlights coming on back here of the week that was it's white Sox weekly on 720 wgn Oh yeah, it's White Sox Weekly. Coming up after 6.30, we'll hear from Nick Madrigal with the Winston-Salem Dash. We'll catch up with Nick for the first time in 2019. Mark Harmon with you, Curtis Koch producing. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Sox did lose to the Twins by the score of 8-1. to And uh, White Sox fans, join us Friday, May 31st. That is for 80s night. And you get a post-game fireworks show. It's presented by Great Clips. Great Clips, it's going to be great. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesocks.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. As we go to our week in review, and they did start rough uh, with a couple losses to Houston on Monday and Tuesday. Sox losing 3 nothing in Game 1 of the series to the Astros. And then game two, five to one. So in two games, the Sox had one run, and that came on a Jose Abreu home run. But that changed on Wednesday in a big time way. Big moment for Charlie Tilson. Josh James from the set, the the one zero, swinging a long one to right, tag, bag, slam. Sox lead eight to three. I wish we could turn on the fireworks. We're indoors. Turn it on. Farmio, wherever you are, first homer for Charlie, a grand slam, and the Sox go on to win 9-4. to And then Thursday was even better. Lucas Giolito, his first ever real complete game. He got one five innings against the Jays in the rain-shortened game. That counts in the books, but this one counts even more. When you go nine innings and shut out one of the best teams in baseball on the road, and he got some help from Eloy Jimenez. Here's a swing and a long one to left. Tag, bagged. Did it go out? Yes, says the second base umpire. Eloy hits a home run to left, and it was a laser out of here. Well, it's only three home runs in the last two games. He's got six. <laughs> exactly right. Three in two games for Eloy down in Houston. Sox won that game four to nothing. They moved on to Minnesota on Friday, and the Twins. Well, actually, the Sox had a 4-1 lead in that game, but then the Twins scored 10 runs in a row and won that one 11-4, and today was an 8-1 final. So, so far on the trip, Sox sitting at 2-4. and four. We'll see if they can salvage the final game tomorrow afternoon. Dylan Covey will start the finale, and the Sox coming home to play the Royals 
Brad Keller, you remember that name, him and Tim Anderson with their moment. Uh, Brad Keller is pitching on Tuesday night. Hopefully Timmy's wrist will be okay to go by then. I'd love to see those two match up Tuesday at Guaranteed Rate Field. Hey, Family Sundays feature tickets as low as $5 in the upper level, 15 bucks, $5 in the upper level, 15 in the lower level, and parking for only $10. Plus, you get the special family-focused activities located throughout the ballpark. Family Sundays, proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. Family Sundays, kids get to run the bases after the game. How sweet is that? Get to take my uh, niece out there every now and then. She loves it. Go on to the ballpark on Sundays. It is a great, great experience. All right, quick timeout. News coming up. And then Nick Madrigal right after 6.30 on 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly continuing as we go down to Winston-Salem and pick it up with Nick Madrigal, who is now... A member of the Winston Salem Dash, but you, you, it's a little familiar for you, Nick, in the sense that you you got the same manager that you had last year in Jersh, Justin Jershaw, following you along. So maybe you guys are just a tandem that's going to go on all the way up to the big leagues. <laughs> I mean, I could see that he's doing a great job here. Uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. He's up there one day. What's been the biggest adjustment for you? You know, last year I got a taste of uh, you know the whole scheduling and everything, so. Um, you know, I really wasn't too surprised about anything this year. Um, you know, I, I really see how long of a season it is. Um, I mean, we haven't even made a dent in the season yet, and it feels like it's been a while. So I think the biggest part is just kind of taking care of my body. Just I, I do a lot of stretching, so that's been huge for me. Um, but like I said, I mean, last year I got a little taste of it. So I'm not too surprised so far. Yeah, you guys are 24-23 and 23 coming into tonight's game, so that's uh... – that's 47 games. So you're you're about one-third of the way through, Nick. Does that make you feel good? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, you know, we're not even halfway there yet. Still a long ways to go. A lot of baseball left to be played. How would you assess the start of your year? I, I know that uh, you, had, you had a stretch there where you were in like a, what, an over 15, over 16, and you bounced back out of that. Was it almost something that you are happy you went through because this game, of course, is about failure and how you bounce back from it. No, I don't think I'll ever be happy about going 0 for 15 or anything. Like, you know, I, I, I know it's part of the game of baseball. I know that, you know, in that stretch, maybe I hit some balls right on the screws at people. I, I, I know that's part of the game, you know. I've been around this game my whole life. Um, I know you're going to have ups and downs. Um, I, I think the biggest part is just kind of staying even keel through it all. Uh, you know, when I'm going hot, not getting too, you know, too high, and, and when I'm going bad, not too low. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things I, I didn't stress too much over. I know people in the box scores or whatever, you know, had things to say about it. But um, like I said, it's a long, long season. I'm mean, going have the most of bats I've ever had, um, you know, in one season. So, you know, I, I'm completely fine. I feel good at this point. Um, yeah, so you know, like I said, it's a long season ahead. Yeah, no, and I, and I get it. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. Oh, are you, you know, obviously, it can't be fun going through a stretch where you're not, where, even if you're hitting the ball hard, that it's not falling yeah. in there. But to be able to handle that and get through it and stay confident in yourself, that that's a learning moment right there. That's that's something that you're only going to get through playing. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, watching major leagues, I think that's why they're up there. And they're, they're, some of the guys are the best, uh, you know, is because they, they're so consistent and, uh, you know, they show up every day. And you, you know, watching the game, you can't tell if they're 0 for 15 or, you know, 15 for each. You know, that's why it makes them the best. Uh, that's something I've always kind of witnessed and seen and really try to emulate, uh, you know, growing up. Nick Madrigal, White Sox prospect, Winston-Salem Dash, first-round draft pick, talking with us on White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. So you're stealing bases. You had three the other day. You're you're walking more. You've always been a stolen base guy, but the, the walks are creeping up. Is that something that uh, you've been trying to do, or is it just sort of natural progression? What would you say? You know, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I, I really try to... Um, add that to my game. Um, you know, I've always been real aggressive. Uh, I think at these lower levels, you kind of got to tone it back a little bit because, I mean, sometimes pitchers, you, you'll see, you know, they can't really, you know, spot up the zone, uh, like higher levels. So um, I, I sometimes try to keep it in the back of my mind. Uh, but, I mean, watch what just happened, just playing the game, uh, seeing the ball well. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's something I've definitely tried to think about and add to my game. Is it more of a focus of I'm just going to swing at strikes because maybe the pitch is out of the zone, but you know you're talented enough to be able to, you know, get a base hit on it or whatever. But maybe maybe you're trying to condition yourself like I want to swing at pitches only in the zone. Yeah, it, it is bad. I, I think that there's times where uh, maybe a hitter's count. Uh, you know, you have to you know try to drive the ball in the gap or wherever maybe, but just kind of staying within yourself. Uh, you know, sometimes when I get too big is when I chase balls out of the zone. So I really try to, you know, just keep it simple and, you know, let my instincts take over. Um, and I, I feel a lot more comfortable this year with that. You hit your first homer, Nick. How did it feel? It felt good. Yeah, it felt good. It was uh, it was actually a line drive, so I really didn't think it was uh, fortunate enough it snuck out. Yeah, I, you know, I'm reading it. Nick Madrigal crushed his first homer. And then I watched the video. I'm like, "That's you can't use crushed with that." He hit a line drive laser that got out. That there's, I mean, that ball was smoked. I think smoked is a fair word, would you say? I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have that than a a high fly ball that sinks out. So I think it it was hit pretty hard. I think that was uh, you know worked out perfectly. <laughs> okay, we 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 yeah, we, we, we we could debate semantics on this one. Uh, well, congratulations. Uh, that's awesome, and. I'm just thinking about how you're talking about the, the long season, and you were a guy. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Growing up, like baseball was always number one, number one A, number one B, two, three, and four, and you would oil up your mitt before games. And so here, the games just come every single day, which is you know different than college, different than anything. So how are you maintaining like being excited to play every day, but also you know keeping the it's a long season part of it as well. You know, I'm pretty fortunate. I get to, you know, play the game of baseball for, you know, a living for a job. So, I, you know, a lot of people don't get the chance to do that. So, I mean, I'm still excited. I still have the passion for baseball I've had throughout my life. Uh, you know, there's going to be days where I don't feel my best or, you know, my body is a little bit sore. But, uh, you know, when I when I get out there, I'm excited to, you know, be with the guys, to, you know, compete. It's something I love to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that'll ever. I think the day that changes when I'm not excited to go out there and do what I do is, 
you know, maybe when I should stop playing, you know, but um, I don't see that for a long, long time. Yeah, just for the record, I'm super jealous. I just appreciate the enthusiasm that you have for it. So, what what's the coolest stadium you you have played in so far? What would you say? Um, I think it would be Myrtle Beach, the Cubs organization. Uh, you know, we we stayed real close to the beach, and um, even the field is really nice. The best place to play it on. So uh, I'd have to say that so far. Do you have a roommate on the road or no? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. It's usually Jameson Fisher. You know, it's been, it, it's been awesome. Uh, me and him have gone real close. Uh, you know, he, he's a great player. Um, you know, he usually hits behind me through the fourth in the order. And, uh, you know, you can see how much talent he has. And getting to know him on a personal level, uh, it, it's been awesome so far. Does he snore? No, no. <laughs> you know, I got to the He goes to bed pretty early. So, and I do also. So, I, you know, it worked out perfectly. There you go. What what what's the longest bus ride you got to play that you have it currently? We were on a five or six hour one. Um, trip. I think it was Potomac. I, mean, I think that was the trip. Uh, that, that was a fun stuff. I don't know if we have anything farther than that this year. What's your What's your strategy for the bus? Uh, you know, I try to watch some YouTube videos, some music, try to sleep a little. Just kind of bounce around, keep myself busy. <laughs> it's definitely not easy uh, sleeping on a bus. Our guys, is it? Would you say it's fun, or are people mostly in their own phones doing their thing? Yeah, I think it's mostly guys doing their own thing. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. If someone gets to the inside of a bus ride. There's people, you know, spread out everywhere. There's people on the floor of the bus. There's people with their legs. There's different chairs. It's kind of a free for all. Yeah, I. Uh... University of Iowa, Nick. It was I was in geography class. I took that class because I only needed something, and we rode a bus from from Iowa City, Iowa, to the Florida Keys. That was an experience. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, I, I I strategized by uh, my buddy had the two seats to the left of me, I was to the right, and we had the legs going across. So like that's what you've given, uh, right? That's that. that have there you ever you have you ever used that strategy? That's a solid strategy right there. That is. That's usually one of the guys that's been there for a while. If you got double A time or whatever, you usually get your own seat. So that's something I got to work my way up to. Okay. Okay. Uh, what What would you say most likely is the plan for you this year? I mean, if if you kill it, are 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 you even thinking about going up to double A? Is, is that a goal for you right now? I mean, I'm sure it is down the line, but is it more so? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would definitely like to go up there. Um, hopefully soon. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if I play my game and um, ultimately it's their decision, I, I know they have a plan, but um, hopefully in the near future that, that's the plan. Uh, well, I'm not too sure at this point. Right. What What's Jersh been telling you, if anything? Um, you know, we we really haven't talked too much about, you know, moving this level or anything like that. It's been mostly focused on, you know, the game at hand, the game that day, the strategizing and things like that. Um but George has been awesome. I've gotten real close to him um, this year, even last year also. So, um, yeah. you know, I've really enjoyed playing for him this year. You got a uh, a favorite cheat food on the road? Um, sure. I'm not too big of a junk food guy. So I, I don't know. It's usually just the, the after-the-game spread, whatever it is, the chicken, the rice, things like that. So uh, I'm not too sure. So if you guys stop at a Seven Eleven, you're not going gummy bears, no Snickers, no ice cream. 
Yeah, I am a big candy person. I, I like Starburst. I would say that's the go-to. Um, yeah, I usually always have to have one candy on the road trip. Right. I mean, come on. We go in pink, we go in yellow, we go in orange, we go in everything. Whoa, do yeah. We- yeah, it has to be pink. Pink's the best color. Pink is the best star. How is that possible that that color can change the flavor? Have you ever thought deep about why the pink is the best? These are the conversations I have with myself. I you know, I really try not to think too much about it. I think uh, <laughs> I don't know, I've always loved the pink. I, I wish that they made an all-pink roll of Starburst, but... Hopefully one day they will. I think they do, but they're very hard to find. Wow. I'm, I'm not exactly yeah, sure. I gotta fix all right. Hey, hey, I appreciate the time. I know it's game day and all that, so so thanks for, for waking up and getting on here. Uh, just, just one last thing. Do you still lay out your uniform before game day? Do you still massage the glove with the oil? Do you do like, is that a ritual <laughs> for you? Uh, I mean, I try to get my uniform on early. I try to do all the same stuff that I can. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I still have the same pre-game routines and all that, I would say. So Madrigal's at the park in his uniform four hours before game time, and guys are rolling <laughs> in in, the, in their sweatpants. Is that an accurate portrayal? You know, it, it might have changed a little bit. There's different timings and things like that. We got we to gotta do weightlifting. We got to, you know, stretch and do all that stuff. So it, it's changed a little bit now that you say that. But, uh, yeah, I try to try to keep the same ones I've had for the most part. Well, hey, man, you, you it worked for you. You know, number four overall draft pick. You're 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 on your way to the major leagues. I I don't think you need to change a thing, Nick. From I see, and there we go, Nick Madrigal, who definitely did say you're exactly right, Carm. I don't need to change a thing. Talked to Nick earlier today. Not sure why that part got snipped out. Probably was my fault. I apologize for that, Curtis. But uh, how awesome a kid, right? And if anybody can text in right now, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. How do they make the pink Starburst taste so good? And everybody would say that pink is the best. Like, that is a hands-down, everybody loves the pink. Yellow is too tart. Orange is, like, a little bit too sweet and orangey somehow. Red is, like, some for some reason it's boring. But the pink, it just pops every time. Curtis, you have thoughts on uh, this? Vivian sitting next to me here waiting to produce for Amy Guth is yeah. in total agreement with you. Right, I mean, everybody is. I, I, I reading text though. Uh, Six three zero says yellow Starburst all the way. Hmm. It's just it's just it's too it's too lemony. It's 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 too bitter. But okay. I mean, I think pink is. If we had a vote here, put it up on the on the Twitter poll, Curtis. We don't have that on the show, but if we did, you put it up on the Twitter poll. Is pink the best Starburst? All right, coming on back here. There's a sweet batting practice opportunity at Guaranteed Rate Field that I want to tell you about. We'll do that next on White Sox Weekly seven twenty WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720. WGN with you till the top of the hour. Amy Guth warming up in the bullpen. There is a cool event coming up here. A little home run derby action uh, going on. One of the uh, proud sponsors of the White Sox, of course, is Guaranteed Rate. And um, Frank Thomas is going to be a part of this home run derby. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You get to meet Frank. You hang out in the visitors' clubhouse. You get to go to the BP. You get your very own walk-up song. You get to put your name on the scoreboard. Uh, the chief growth officer for Guaranteed Rate is Scott Steven. He's also the biggest White Sox fan I know and uh, calls me every day to tell me how amazing the White Sox are at every single moment, even when things aren't going particularly well. Scott, welcome to yes, welcome to WGM, my friend. How are you? Good. Have I told you lately how good the White Sox are uh, going to be and how well they're 
doing this year? On the hour, every hour, sir. No, I, I believe. <laughs> I, I I appreciate your positivity. So does Jerry Reinsdorf. So does Brooks Boyer. So does uh, Rick Hahn, uh, Ricky Renteria, all the way on down. But you're 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 not here just to tell us what we already know. You're here to tell us about uh, this uh, this home run derby and how fans can get involved because people want to hit home runs. They want to take BP and they want to meet Frank Thomas, Scott Steven. Yeah, it's a very very cool event, and the coolest thing is that you can do all this on guarantee rate field. So we set up a a tournament of 15 teams at a entrance fee of $5,000 a team for a four-man or four-woman uh, uh, team to go head-to-head against 14 other man or woman team at guaranteed rate field trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. Now they'll be accompanied by Frank Thomas, who will give them both tips and – you know, be the grand match of the day. And, okay, so you're looking for 60 total participants. We got 15 uh, teams. We got uh, we got uh, four teams of 15, or 15 teams of four, excuse me. Yes, 15 so, teams of four. Okay, now uh, five grand is not, is, is not nothing here, Scott Stevens. Do you have any recommendation on how do you got to go out and find the big shooters in your life who want to sponsor you, right? That's the, that's the strategy. Absolutely, but it's not the five grand, it's the experience. If you've ever had the opportunity to take batting practice on any major league field, it is something that you don't, you, you really can't anticipate what uh, the level of awe it is when you walk up to that home plate and have a bat and swing that bat. Right. It's worth 10 grand, it's worth 15 grand. So get three of your friends, get five grand together, or get your company, and certainly uh, get a team together and get out there because it will be a lot of fun. We'll have uniforms, we'll have food, we'll have photos at home plate, you'll get your own walk-up music. It will be quite the event that you'll never forget. Round one, each participant gets 10 swings against the pitching machine. Top 12 participants move forward. Round two, of those 12, you each get eight swings, and then the top two will move forward. And then the championship round, you both get 10 swings. Uh, Can you get the ball out of the infield, by the way? Can I? Yes. I have I've actually played on that field and I was two for three and I played in the field at short and I was seven for eight and my one air was a throwing air. Okay. You but you can't so, you can't get the ball anyway. So I did. I got it out of the infield. I did. I did. I got it short left field. But that's about <laughs> as far as I can get it. Okay. Well, do we have a date on this event? Yes, it's August seventh and I think this will go fast for so please, if you're interested, you can call well, I guess you can call me directly at 312-543-5263. That's 312-543-5263. And just say you're interested in the Guaranteed Rate Station Home Run Derby with Frank Thomas. Is there a website also, it's assuming you don't want to get all these calls? Might be you know easy. what? Yeah. I'll take the calls because I'll handle them. Uh, I'll okay. handle them with uh, with a level of customer service that five thousand dollars warrants. Okay, look at you three one two five four three five two six three. Get yourself involved, uh, Scott. Sox are going to win what twelve in a row starting tomorrow. I'm hoping. You know, you got you wake up every day hoping and thinking that. Yep, yep. So one of these days, that's going to happen. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one more with the Astros with the Twins tomorrow, and then the Royals coming in. All right, awesome event. 
August 7th from 2.30 in the afternoon to 6 in the evening at Guaranteed Rate Field, looking for 15 teams of four, a mere $5,000. 5000 divided by four, that's $1,250. Who's not walking around with twelve fifty in the pocket to go over to Guaranteed Rate Field and hit bombs? That, that's uh, it's like $12.50, the experience, uh, you know, if you, if you do some form of math that I'm trying to figure out. Appreciate you, Scott. Appreciate you, and go White Sox. Go White Sox, absolutely. Remember, next World Series championship will come from the south side, my man. Hey, I've been saying it, too. I absolutely appreciate you. Scott Steven, Chief. Take care. Yep, Chief Growth Officer, Guaranteed Rate. Getting an event coming up August 7th at Guaranteed Rate Field. All right, quick timeout. Amy Guth coming up. This is uh, White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN.